Hello listeners, welcome back to the Founders Club podcast. Today my guest is Daphne Tuijin. Daphne is an entrepreneur, co-founder and CEO of Charlie, nonetheless data analytics and growth hacker in China. She's a tech specialist in the e-commerce industry with a strong desire to formulate successful strategies for companies to grow in the Chinese e-commerce space. Having both built an e-commerce company as well as a tech company in China, she knows what it takes to succeed in this fast-paced economy. This is the Founders Club podcast. If you enjoy, please consider to write a review and rate with 5 Star and Apple podcast or simply subscribe to my YouTube channel Giorgio Morochico and connect with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Founders Club podcast. Today, my guest is Daphne Tujin, founder and CEO of Charlie. Hello, Daphne. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good as well. Um, so we met, we worked together in not in the same team, but in the same office. And uh, first of all, I want to ask, uh, how are you? Yeah, well, it's it's been crazy times, right? Uh, I guess for every one of us. Uh, I'm actually uh, at the moment in Amsterdam. I'm originally from the Netherlands. Uh, indeed, we uh, we have an office in Shanghai and in Amsterdam, and I normally run the Shanghai office. Uh, and I uh, I packed my bag for one and a half weeks, which was end of January, uh, and so I've been here for almost four months. Uh, yeah, so unexpected things, uh, but I'm good. I'm healthy, and that's the most important thing, I guess. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. Last time when we met was when we see each other was in Shanghai office, and we work. And to for people who are listening, can you we start with a short introduction of yourself and what do you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, yes, as you as you introduced me, I'm Daphne. Uh, I'm the co-founder of uh, well two companies, so a web shop in China uh, and uh, and now Chowli also. Um, so we started basically as a uh, e-commerce service provider almost seven years ago now, uh, when Tmall announced Tmall Global and when it was easier for Western brands or overseas brands to enter the Chinese markets. And uh, so that was very much focused on setting up and running online stores, uh, but in the past two years, we've been really busy uh, pivoting uh, uh, and, uh, and launched Chowli, uh, which is a data analytics tool uh, based on uh, the experience that we gathered and, and, and got from, uh, from our previous work with dealing in China. So can you tell me more about where the idea of Chowli came from and what was the pivot that you did in, on the way? Yeah, sure. So I, I guess for webshop in China, it's very much more like a well, it's a TP business. Um, it involves uh, uh, well, say a lot of consulting, uh, and so. But what we realized while helping Western brands uh, to set up their stores is that well, a lot of them they work with Chinese partners, Chinese TPs, or even perhaps more a traditional way entering the market, which is still a distributor model, right? Uh, and so there, uh, a lot of managers approached us and, and, and we spoke with many uh, in the past seven years and they said that China was like a black box to them, right? It's, uh, there's different ecosystems, as we all know. And it uh, still is, also, and it still is a black box. 
Yeah, 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 that's the, that's the thing. So um, because it's, it's different ecosystems, uh, of course, there's a lot of data. Uh, I mean, data is like the new oil. So there is data available. It's just very difficult to analyze all of that and to, uh, to really use it to make decisions. Uh, so basically what we heard a lot is uh, it was difficult to communicate with Chinese TPs or distributors or, or even their in-house teams. Uh, so there is a lot of loss in translation, uh, reporting standards are just different. Uh, so that was on the one side, uh, the transparency of the data, right? You're most of the times reliable and dependent on whatever data is provided to you. Uh, and perhaps that's not the full picture. Uh, and the whole benchmarking, like how do you actually understand if your performance is well in China, right? If you sell 1 million renminbi, uh, like revenue a month, is that good or is it bad? That all depends on the industry that you're in, the competition. Uh, so we also help then benchmarking. Uh, and, and with all those problems that we heard, we wanted to have a solution. Uh, and so we created our data analytics tool, which gets the data from platforms like Timo, WeChat, Weibo, uh, and uh, well, consolidates all of that uh, for both yourself and, and competitors and, and well, allows you to make data-driven decisions. <laughs> right. Uh, we have a saying in our, in our startup. We used to have a saying, which I think is still valid today. In God we trust, all the rest is data, you know. So all the decisions that um, we, we have to take, where we want to take, especially in a startup, it's so important to those decisions to be based on the real data from the market. And then you have to be able also to analyze the data, interpret the data, and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, so that's why I guess also initially uh, Charlie started really as, as like a, I would say like data dashboard, right? But then, as you said, in order to make decisions based on the data, you also need to be able to analyze and interpret it. Uh, and we found that that interpretation, for instance, for Western managers, uh, uh, but even if you don't have the team yourself, or it's, it's, it's not easy. It takes a lot of time to really dive into it, understand the trends, understand what's happening. Uh, and so we also then have our own team, uh, which helps you to analyze and gives you insights uh, if you're not able to, uh, to do that in-house. Uh, talking about trends, uh, you mentioned there are new trends right now because of the coronavirus, because of this pandemic. And what are these crises in, in general entails for foreign business that want to enter China? Yeah, so well, if you're, if you're not active, uh, in China yet, I think China uh, is far ahead in terms of recovery of the whole COVID-19 situation, right? So we can learn a lot from looking at China. And this is also, uh, I guess, the place where uh, people, uh, if you look at spending, for instance, last month, it already surpassed the levels of last year, the same period. So you see recovering is going on. Uh, and, and I guess for either in Europe or in the US, uh, that's not the case yet. Uh, so uh, uh, the, the, the sales are behind, physical stores are still closed. Uh, and so it offers a lot of opportunities to, uh, to then expand also your customer base. Uh, and, and, and looking at the product categories, I mean, I guess the global trend is that people just spend a lot of time at home. Uh, so we see that there's a, there's a big uh, peak and spike in, in sales related to anything related to homeware. Uh, so do-it-yourself cooking, uh, but even the clothes that you wear at home, right? Uh, there, there, there's like Weibo hashtags about pajamas, 
and, and how to dress uh, while you're at home and being comfortable. Uh, anything related to pets, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting category, so, or home fitness. Uh, so we see trends that, yeah, you can, you, you know, it's either interesting to enter the market or learn from it if you're based anywhere else. Yeah, right. For many companies, probably China now is the only market that generates some kind of profit, some kind of revenue. And just to look at one case, for example, Apple, they have the Apple stores in China, the only one where they have their stores open to the public, whereas in American uh, and Europe, they are still closed and they're not generating revenue, which is substantial uh, income. It comes from their, their stores. And what I want to ask, is it too late for brands to enter China or there is still, is still a good time for them? to explore that market and try to penetrate? It's a, it's a good question. I mean, I mean uh, we like honesty and transparency. Uh, and, and, and of course, I mean, China is super interesting because it has a huge consumer base uh, with, uh, you know, with an increasingly disposable income, but it's also very competitive, right? I think we all know uh, some of the examples of, of companies who pulled out of China uh, from like Forever 21 or Macy's, like it, it just wasn't successful. And so I think uh, it's important to understand what you uh, uh, like, what what you can expect. Uh, so that's why we would always recommend to, to, to look at, again, the data and uh, look at the product categories, see uh, the current players in the markets and see the price range, the product range. I mean, we do believe that there's still a lot of room for brands to enter China. Uh, if you also look at Tmall, uh, it's Alibaba's mission to have at least 1,000 new brands uh, on the platform from overseas, meaning you know that there's, there, there's still a, a demand, but it's, it's not an easy market. And that's important to realize. Uh, and a success also doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you have, you have to be prepared for that. Is there a, a time frame that you should put and allocate resources and you'll see results? Uh, well, I'd say that well, the, the industry uh, experts, like everyone who's active, who is active in, in uh, TP or in e-commerce would say that at least 12 to 18 months uh, before you have break even, you hit that point. Uh, it, it needs quite a bit of in, in investment and that's why uh, we I guess also as a as a company now with COVID nineteen, realizing that there's opportunities, uh, we're looking at what kind of new um, services perhaps can we offer, or how can we help clients to assess their potential success before investing heavily, right? Uh, so what we, for instance, do is validating products for the Chinese market uh, in the form of like a digital experiment. Uh, so that you show it to consumers uh, without actually investing all your money already in the whole setup and application, because that's quite time consuming. Uh, so we always uh, suggest to do a bit of research up front, yeah, to kind of understand, is your product suitable, yes or no? Right, because um, most of the time, the products that uh, you want to enter with may, may not be really good or really fit for uh, China, so you have to adapt the product or your offer. Yeah, yeah, and what we see a lot is that uh, uh, it's, uh, sometimes the product might fit, but then it's the way how you, um, uh, how you promote it or kind of like the content and the positioning 
uh, uh, so we even try, for instance, with different slogans or different uh, unique selling points and just see what resonates best with the Chinese audience because yeah. what works overseas doesn't necessarily work in China. Yeah, you have to do a thorough research to understand the Chinese cost, uh, consumer yeah. and what are exactly his needs and wants. Um, you and uh, Angela, which is... Um, your co-founder, you both uh, started this company together, uh, if I'm not wrong. And that is right. What is it like to run a tech startup in China as a female founder? Because there aren't many in general. If you can <laughs> refresh me the my mind, but I don't know any many female founders. In this case, two. Well, there. Are, yeah, I mean, there are some. Uh... Uh, for instance, Kim from Park Lu, or the, I mean, there's there's a few, but yeah, all in all, I guess there's not many, and, and let alone perhaps the Western uh, uh, Western female founders. Yeah, I mean Western. Um, yeah, exactly. Western yeah, yeah, exactly. Female. Yeah. Uh, no, well, I mean it's uh, it's a uh, it's an adventure and a challenge, I would say. Uh, can can yeah, you tell honestly, some of the challenges and adventures that you've been through? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because we we didn't pick. The easy route. Uh, uh, I think like a few months ago, someone asked me like, how, like what made you start a business and then even start a business in China and then tech related? I mean, it's, crazy. it's not something that you, yeah, you don't wake up with that idea, I guess. Um, and so I, I, the, the challenge is that, I mean, from, from our work and our experience uh, as web shop in China, and speaking with so many managers and, and and also experiencing our own pain points, I would say, with, with the e-commerce and, and the availability of data, we, we had an idea of how, you know, what, what would help, what, what would be useful or how could we solve it. And so that is more like, a, I would say, related to like a product owner. So understanding in the end, what should be the deliverable. However, how to get there was a complete... Uh, unknown to us. Uh, our background is both, we know each other actually from studies uh, and our background is in business. So we don't have a, uh, a, a background in tech. Uh, that is actually now that we have COVID-19 and I have a bit of time at hands, I'm doing a computer science course and I'm, I'm studying Python just to understand oh, wow. more and more about Chowli and, and the whole background. But, but yeah, so the challenge was how to reach that end product that we clearly had in mind, but had no idea of how to get there. Uh, and uh, I think it's always important to have the right people in your team. Uh, uh, so we had to find, you know, the CTO, someone who's, uh, who's very knowledgeable and experienced in, in, in making sure that at least the foundation is very strong and future proof. And then, of course, you can, you know, you can make alterations and that and so on. So. Uh, yeah, then you, we have to hire that person and, and not having that tech background makes it complicated. Not being able to understand how long a task takes, uh, what are the, uh, you know, the issues or, or how to solve them. So, yeah, I guess that's the biggest, the biggest challenge so far. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, finding someone with a strong tech abilities if you run a tech startup is really really important that yeah. uh, will 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 
increase the I odds of success. I think you know that as well from experience, right? That indeed how important that is. Exactly. And actually, at the to go start to have more developers because, you know, if you build something that is tech purely, you need some strong tech skills, some people that are able to code and deliver the product, to build and deliver the product. And yeah, this uh, increases uh, enormously the odds of success and also to make your customers happy. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly like you said. And I think what we did deliberately from the beginning was that we wanted to have our tech team in-house. Uh, we do know of other tech companies, of course, who are outsourcing or they have like a long-term partner. But for us, we didn't have that. And we thought that because it's the future of our company, right? Uh, we want to make sure that it's it's done uh, in the best way possible and with the team in-house so that you can also kind of build up your own internal learning curve. Uh, so the people, you know, started working on it. Obviously, we also had some external uh, experts uh, helping with the, the, the foundation, but the people now have been working on it. They've worked on it for the past two years, and that's nice because they know, you know, the legacy. They know what you built. Um, but yeah, we're, I, I think that another challenge is always the trade-off between having more like, like a customized versus a standardized product. Uh, so we created uh, dashboards in, in a front-end tool called Tableau, uh, and that worked. Uh, uh, but now we have clients who say, well, actually, our uh, uh, monthly reporting looks different. Can you customize it for us? So as a company, you always have to also determine to what extent you can customize and, and the, the cost that come with, comes with that. So Charlie is a SaaS business, just to understand. And um, yeah, yeah. So initially that was the idea. Uh, however, then we realized that what I just uh, like referred to as in the interpretation of the data that takes a human eye. Obviously, right. you know, like more and more with machine learning, you could program, but something simple as why is there a peak in sales in November or a drop in sales in February? Normally, right. anyone in China would know Chinese New Year and Singles Day, but this this interpretation on a, on a much deeper level, right, uh, is, is oftentimes done still with someone by someone with experience uh, in e-commerce, uh, as well as like a data analyst background. Uh, so we do offer that consulting on top. So you can either just have the data dashboards, uh, but if you want to, we also offer then like weekly or monthly insights um, just to, to, to bring up, to, to look at opportunities for how to, uh, you know, optimize your campaigns and increase ROI and so on. You know, there is a saying, a SaaS as a service now has been converted in SaaS and a service. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, because yeah. SaaS is not suitable for every company, and that's also yeah the challenge that we face is that we constantly need to validate with our clients, right? So uh, I guess with the lean startup, that methodology we use that. So you're creating an MVP, a minimal viable product, and then all you want is feedback, is customer feedback, right. and from that feedback, we realize that. The service still is necessary yeah right uh, feedback check quantitatively and uh, verify uh, qualitatively or the other way around anyway yeah. i had an amazing conversation last week with uh, ash moria who was the found who's the founder of lean stack and lean canvas and he also wrote two books about this 
which is called running lean and uh, scaling lean. Uh, going back to our conversation um, and to the pandemic that we're experiencing like uh, right now, this is something that we have never seen before. And I want to ask, was this pandemic or this crisis, was it a sudden or a rolling realization for you? How did you, how did it come to you? We were talking about this before, actually. Mm. But it's not, uh, it, it, it hasn't been easy, right? So um, uh, I think also the decision, for instance, for us to invest in Chowley without an inv external investor uh, means that in terms of working capital and cash available in the bank, we still, you know, we, we were investing happily. Uh, and so when the crisis hit, uh, it hit us pretty hard. I mean, especially uh, February and March, uh, no one was, you know, was looking at China. The budgets were frozen often. Uh, we, you know, we, we built up quite a, a sales pipeline, but it felt bad about also proactively reaching out to potential clients. Uh, I think it was the time just wasn't there. People were 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 in panic mode, uh, and so I mean, besides the fact that for us also location wise, well, we have an office in Amsterdam and in China, but you know the the, the execution and and the the team, uh, the biggest part of the team is in China, uh, but yeah, you know, both me and my co-founder, we can't physically be there, uh, so it's it's a it's a different way of working. Um, so internally, uh, and also I think externally, the way how we do sales and marketing uh, was affected uh, uh, in a really big way. So um, uh, we made changes to that extent, more sharing knowledge, more uh, webinars, for instance, uh, and not so much like more, you know, like cold acquisition. Um, and we changed our product offering also based on that. So we realized that companies had a different need. Uh, and so we quickly created, uh, for instance, a new product, uh, like an opportunity scan to see uh, companies, you know, they, 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 they're, they're, uh, they're losing their revenue. So we need to, they need to make up for that. And how can we spot opportunities in the market and help them with that? Uh, so, yeah, a, a lot of things. The good thing for us, what we see is that from April onwards, uh, uh, things are much better. Uh, and so, uh, uh, luckily, it, it seems to only affect uh, February and March for us. Uh, and so, we're excited to be back in, in, in full business uh, almost again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Very interesting. Going back to the way of working and managing employees, you mentioned that you and Angela right now are in the Netherlands, whereas part of or the majority of your team is in China. So, we kind of like all of us got a glimpse of a different way of doing business, running meetings, and managing employees. Can can you tell me more about how this looks for you in general? Yeah, sure. So uh, the good thing about you know being like a digital agency and also with uh, with Chowley, the data analytics is that uh, we're already you know everything's digital already. Uh, so uh, that makes it easier, I guess, for us to work remotely. Uh, in terms of our setup, you, we uh, choose to focus a lot on, uh, uh, how to say, like the procedures and the way of how to efficiently work together. Um, so that means our project management system has become more important than ever, I guess. Really understanding what's everyone working on. Uh, and we still do a daily huddle. So even though there's a time difference, uh, we still call with our team. 
uh, in the morning for uh, us in Amsterdam, in the afternoon for them. Uh, and we always check in saying what's the good news, uh, what are your, you know, your main KPI, uh, KPIs and, 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 and are you stuck with anything? So we, we do keep that daily checking in with each other. Uh, with the entire team to see, uh, yeah, what, what what's what is happening and, and if anyone needs help, for instance. Was it hard to do this transition and work remotely? Uh, I, I, it, it wasn't easy. Uh, I mean, we, we already had all those things in place, like the project management system or the, the daily huddle. Uh, I think in, in terms of uh, communication, sometimes it, it, it is just less efficient, right? We all know that if you sit next to each other, uh, you can yeah, you can quickly discuss. On, on top of that, there is also the times and difference, which is very annoying, I have to say. Also that, absolutely, yeah. So we did, uh, that's a good that you mentioned that, we did ask our team to change their time, uh, the working hours, uh, with uh, one hour. So they started an hour later, and then they continue an hour longer, to maximize that overlap. Uh, luckily also for us, summertime started in, uh, or you know, the daylight saving in March. Uh, uh, but yeah, so we just, we, we asked our team to also help us in that sense, to make sure that the overlap is maximized. Um, what is next for, for you guys? You planning go, to go back in China anytime soon? Obviously now we cannot because the borders are closed, but what are the next step and how do you deal with uh, expectation of different stakeholders, such as employees or other business partners? Um, so, well, what is next? Yeah, well, we, I'd love to go back to, uh, to China. I consider that my home at this point. So, uh, uh, yeah, the moment that we can go back, then we, uh, then, then we will. Um, it's very difficult in terms of expectations. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, for the, for the stakeholders, so our main, you know, the, the main people that we have to take into consideration is luckily is the team. Uh, and communication is key, I guess. Uh, so yeah, no one has the answer. Uh, I think uh, in that sense, uh, we don't have external investment yet. This is something that we're uh, working towards a little bit later this year so that we can even further push and grow Chowley. Are you, uh, are so, you planning to raise capital in China? And how do you see this world of uh, venture capital right now? Because I think it's going to be affected, but I'm not sure what if investors will be willing to invest or it's going to be another winter for venture capital. What is your take on that? And, yeah, it's 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 such a it's such a difficult uh, situation in that sense because indeed also the investors you know most likely lost a lot of money and and you know value of companies decreased. So I mean there's so much uncertainty right now uh, that uh, we haven't proactively reached out. I mean there's a there's a few uh, potential investors who already showed their interest before. So I guess those ones are the first one for us to contact again. Uh, and see how uh, how their situation is. Um, we haven't uh, we haven't we haven't made a decision yet between China uh, and Europe. And this is something that we need to further uh, further look into. Um, yeah, we we really the, the the most important thing is right now that things are uh, getting a little bit more back to normal, uh, and then that would be the next step. Yeah, so one one step at a time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody has been hit indiscriminately. If you think about um, 
Airbnb, for instance, they were like an valuation, I think, 10 million. Uh, and they were about to go IPO and everything in, in, in the time lapse of, I don't know, two, three weeks, everything changed for them. And they have to delay uh, the, the IPO. The point is, though, they had already uh, a backing of a lot of uh, venture capital. They managed even to raise a lot of money to survive their crisis. The big problem are for small guys like us who still struggle to uh, gain traction or to have a, a good validation or a lot of uh, adventure that back back you up. And this is really hard for, for, for smaller guys, I'd say. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, the good thing is that, I mean, everything is bootstrapped so far and that uh, we, you know, we, in terms of a one runway, I mean, we, we, we generate uh, income, right? And so luckily our dependence, uh, uh, or, uh, uh, yeah, is that how you call it? Like we're, we're not dependent on that. Uh, uh, but I do know from other, uh, entrepreneurs, they are, right. They, they need more money. Otherwise they simply can't pay the bills. Uh, and so luckily for us, that's a little less stressful, uh, that we can, uh, uh, well, yeah, we, we can take care of ourselves in that sense. Uh, but yeah, it would be a very uh, coming handy to further grow. Yeah, so that would be more for expansion, I guess. Right, on a personal level, how do you manage the, this um, stress and being overwhelmed, uh, doing a lot of conference call via Zoom, I guess? How do you manage all this uh, thing? Uh, in the beginning, it was really hard. Uh, especially also because I, I, I yeah, go, you know, not, not, not going back to China, not knowing when I can go back to China. Uh, even though I'm originally from Amsterdam and my friends and family that are all here, but it's just, uh, it's, it's not easy. You see that everyone's struggling with the situation in their, in their, in their, and everyone's affected in their own ways, right? From homeschooling your kids to uncertainty about your job. Uh, and, and I guess so for me, uh, I, I had a pretty uh, difficult time, uh, I'll be honest and open about that. But then I, I, I kind of looked into more the opportunities, I guess, and, and, and wanted to look at the positive side because it gives time for self-reflection. Uh, it gives time for uh, uh, well, a bit of meditation in the morning. Uh, like I said, I, I, uh, a few hours a week, I'm now busy focusing on computer science and studying Python. Uh, you know, I'm doing online courses from, from, from Yale and Harvard. So I would normally don't, won't be able to do all those things. So I guess that helped me uh, and, and trying to really, yeah, be as mindful about in the current situation as, as I can. But it's not always easy. And one day is better than the other. Right. That's really good that you have some habits that, some degree uh, take you from the problems and all the fires that are out there and put you like more a mindful and resourceful state and being proactive and doing some things uh, on the side of the work is really important to keep that balance yeah, um, how do you do that do you have any things that you're doing yeah actually um now we've been allowed to also go outside and do some running and i i felt that i need to go outside because we've been locked in the house for two months and it was like uh, maximum you could go like 200 meters out of around your house no more than that and uh, yeah I start my uh, running routine in the morning it feels amazing to be honest and obviously 
doing some meditation and all those all those stuff exercises uh, actually I have to be honest I gained some weight so <laughs> the corona kilos everyone's yeah, talking about exactly yeah. <laughs> so now actually I put myself on this challenge 60 days challenge to get back on uh, shape with a, a ketogenic diet and with uh, intermittent fasting so yeah ah, crazy oh, times wow. that's a that's an impressive way to do it <laughs> yeah um going back to you what is the impact that you want to have as as a founder wow the impact what well, i i've i mean for for me the most important thing is that we create something valuable but you know not in terms of the valuation of your company but how do you make a difference right and and so for me that's uh, on a personal level, like enjoying the journey with all the struggles that it has, but constantly looking at how you grow and develop as a person. Uh, and that's also important for us, for our team. Uh, and so we invest a lot of time, you know, like doing one-on-ones, uh, constantly checking in, seeing how the people in our team want to personally develop uh, and, and, and what are their objectives uh, and kind of, uh, try to mix and blend the objective of the company with the personal objectives, uh, and obviously that's not always possible. But that is is something that that we uh, that we aim for. Uh, yeah, and 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 overall, I mean, for, for on, a, on a personal note, uh, I would love to you know like further develop Chowley, uh, uh, uh to at some point you know with with uh, even perhaps an exit in a way that I could also. Be, uh, be investing in other younger entrepreneurs and helping them to fulfill their dreams. So there is a, a much longer, uh, longer, a longer goal and objective in it that's, than simply just that's what amazing. we're doing now. That's amazing. Um, where can people find you and what the, where they can find more about Charlie? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I guess that's uh, that's always the way. Uh, <laughs> shoot me a message or, or, or on WeChat. Uh, and yeah, if you'd like to know more about Chowley, have a look at our website, chowley.com. Angela Tujin, thank you for joining the Founders Club podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me and stay safe. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye.